I want to share this evening on anxiety, fear, and stress. Just talking to someone just before coming up here, and they were just sharing uh, a story about somebody dealing with anxiety. It was just confirmation to my heart that uh, this is the word that I was supposed to bring. Uh, You know, statistically, they're saying now after COVID that uh, people dealing with uh, high levels of stress, anxiety, and depression is up 700, 800%. They're seeing uh, just the numbers of people um, dealing with anxiety, stress, depression, and different things, different mental health thing. And I'm, obviously, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm, I'm not here to even uh, talk about that. But I know that Jesus wants to do deep stuff in us, that something's happening behind the scenes, below the surface, where people are struggling with security, they're struggling with identity, they're struggling with uh, peace and, found, and having a foundation in a, in a world that is rapidly changing. Our world is changing so rapidly, and, and I believe that God wants to speak to his believers and even his lost sons and daughters. He wants to bring uh, a life of stability, a life of peace, a life of, of wholeness and confidence uh, to his loved ones. And so anxiety, fear, and stress, an anxiety-producing situation, it leads to symptoms of worry, uh, fear, racing heart, sweating, feelings of overwhelmness, obsessive thinking, compulsive behavior. These are kind of the ideas that we think about when we think of anxiety, fear, and stress. Uh, just doing a couple, you know, I got my millennial master's degree in anxiety by just, you know, Googling it, and that's, you know, that's how we, we study things these days. And just a quick Google, you know, uh, physio- physiologically, um, what we see happen, that, that means in our bodies, what happens when anxiety is produced in our bodies, we see our heart race, uh, rate increases. We see our mind starts racing. There's obsessive thinking. Uh, we even experience fatigue, uh, sweating, unwanted thoughts that we can't get away from, restlessness. Uh, behaviorally, what we see happening when, when we're suffering with anxiety is we see compulsive behavior, a behavior that it just happens erratically, uh, panic attacks. Um, sometimes we can become hypervigilant and we become obsessive about something or irritable or restless. This is the way that we start to behave. And what's happening cognitively is sometimes there's a lack of concentration. I wonder how much of our attention deficit Uh, issues that we're seeing uh, in a generation uh, is happening because there's a lack of concentration because below the surface there's an instability, there's a restlessness below the the surface that um, doesn't give us the strength. We're so fatigued, we're so deficit of, of focus, attention, there's a deficit of that because of restlessness and anxiety and, and fear and stress and and depression. Um, You know, growing up, and my mom's here. It's, I, I love having my mom here when I talk about things like this because she really walked um, walked through this with me as a as a young as a young person. Um, you know, growing up, I had anxiety about having anxiety. You know what I mean? Like I would have anxiety about future anxiety that was going to happen, situations socially. You know, I think uh, if me and my mom were in a car on our way to our elementary school when I was a fifth grader and I'm having a panic attack and we were saying, hey, don't worry, Mark, when you're 38 years old, you're going to be free of all this and speaking in front of thousands. I think we both would have started laughing, right, Mom? We wouldn't, we, that wasn't the vision in the moment when you're having panic attacks and you're having anxiety about having anxiety, right? So this is something I'm, I'm fully acquainted with and, 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 and fully um, sympathetic towards people that, that deal with anxiety. Um, 
you know, chronic anxiety can lead to depression. It's so exhausting that then you can go into a place of depression where that looks like so, social withdrawal, that you withdraw from social settings where anxiety might be provoked or withdrawing from anything that provokes that anxiety situation, right? Or those, those thought processes that will then begin to withdraw, maybe even things we love. For me, you know, I, I grew up, I, I loved uh, playing hockey. I loved, uh, you know, doing different things that put me into situations where, um, you know, anxiety could be uh, triggered in these situations. And so you start to withdraw from things that even things that you love because of this fear of anxiety or this, this anxiety situation. And we lose interest in those things. Maybe we have feelings of guilt because we're like, man, is something wrong with me? Like, why can't I get over this? And, and some people who are in our lives that love us, they do their best to encourage us. And it's just like, it, it seems like if you can't get relief from it or you can't get away from it, then the conclusions must be that, you know, I'm not like other people or something's wrong with me. And, and that's really what that is, is that's shame, right? Shame is when you think that there's something specifically wrong with you or that you are, you know, um, you don't have something that you're supposed to have. That's, that, that really becomes a shameful thing and, and feelings of guilt and hopelessness can happen. And what happens uh, as we move through that kind of process is then we got to learn how to deal with it, right? We got to learn how to, to deal with it. And so we move into different types of control. And like I said, a lot of that that control starts to happen with avoidance, right? So we skip the presentation, or like I said, we skip the, the sport, we quit the sports team, or uh, we medicate with food, or we check out on drugs and alcohol, or we procrastinate challenging tasks, and then that starts to stack up, and all of a sudden, we're really starting to just swipe the credit card of debt on our anxiety because we're just pushing, we're pushing that fear and anxiety just down the road, and all that's really doing is that anxiety pressure is just building up, building up for another boy point that then becomes another moment of shame or guilt because the break, you know, you don't break through in that thing. So you guys are getting the picture, right, of this, this life, uh, this cycle that happens. And it's crazy because in 2022, the volume that we're dealing with, so that's anxiety. Now we're just, let's just talk about life for a second, right? Like, the, like we're being overwhelmed and in, in living in a world with just overwhelming amount of things. Talk about information, the, the level of overwhelmness we have with news and information and just everything at our fingertips, right? Being overwhelmed with entertainment, the amount of options. I don't know about you, you ever just spent an hour looking for something to entertain you? It's like we're overwhelmed beyond being overwhelmed, right? Um, the amount of videos that we can binge. We even use like binge. Like that's like, that's a word for alcoholism, right? When you binge drink, it's like we're, we're just, we're overwhelmed with stuff. The uncertainty of the future seems overwhelming. Gosh, I mean, we go from political cycles to World War Threes to pandemics to rumors of wars, and there's just this sense of volume overload and overwhelmness in the days that we're living in. Not to mention the, the demands for our attention and the, the demands for our focus. So we have text messages and emails and, and, and calls and Instagram messages and Facebook messages and mail, just snail mail. Anybody still getting snail mail? It's just like, it's just like overwhelmed. I can hear you guys right now. You're just like, Mark, can you be more positive right now? Like, is there, is there, it's like, guys, I'm, I'm positive that we're overwhelmed and anxious, right? Like, I'm positive that this is the situation that we're in. You know, work, family, schedules. I, I made the point. 700% increase in people dealing with anxiety. We're living in 
overwhelming, stressful circumstances, right? And you would think that modernity, modernness, technology would help fix this alleviate, gosh, please help. Like, can we invent stuff to alleviate this overwhelmness, right? And modernity hasn't fixed it. All of the automated things that we have, the, the virtual reminders, the delivery systems, Amazon Prime, DoorDash, Instacart, medical technology, right? Access to info, the tech, it, it's, it's not helping. It's not helping. It's not relieving the stress. It's not relieving the anxiety. It's not relieving and clearing the way of this overwhelmed guard, like this is like wilderness, this is like overgrown mess. It's not, it's not clearing that out. And we're buried, and it's like as if we're drowning beneath this, this mass busyness, overwhelmness, on top of the inner anxiety that we're already dealing with. And it can just become like this sea of just, like, where do we even start? Where do we even begin, right? And so here's the thing, though, is that we're not modern people. We might be living in a modern world, but we're not modern people. We're ancient people. James 5.17 says that Elijah was a man with a nature just like us. But he prayed and he received supernatural answers. So we got a modern problem, but we need, a superna- we need an ancient supernatural answer, right? We got 700% increase in anxiety, stress, and depression. We have overload and overwhelmness in our modern technological world, and we have to realize that we're not modern people. We're ancient people, just like Elijah, and we need spiritual answers just like Elijah needed. Amen? And so we got to understand that below the, the, the culture, I, I described the culture overwhelmness, below that is our heart uh, anxiety, and there's this deep subconscious, this deep inner world that's inside of us that we got to dive down deep into. And we need a guide to dive into that deep subconscious realm with one that knows us and knows humanity and knows Adam and Eve and Abraham and he knows Elijah. He knows all those people better than we know ourselves, right? He knows David. We need a guide to take us into this deep inner world. We need, we need to search deep. We're not modern people, but we have this subconscious thing. You know, it, it really comes from the appetites of our heart. It comes from our heart has appetites. Our heart has needs. The great Asbury Park prophet, Bruce Springsteen, said everyone's got a hungry heart, right? We have hungry hearts, and these hungers inside of our hearts, they call for things. They call for attention. They call for the needs that they have, the needs of intimacy and protection and provision and guidance, and they call for these things. And I wonder if the culture, this subsystem of overwhelmness, if all of this is is busyness to mask and to, to get us drowning and to, and to just get us away from that place where only God can meet those needs that are deep down inside of our hearts. Only God can meet those things. And so we have this problem. It's an unseen, this thing happening below the surface. And this is what 1 Peter 5, 8 says. Here's the problem. Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. I believe if Peter was the apostle of Tom's River, he would say, hey, if he lived by Seaside Heights or Bayville, this is probably what I think he would have said. He would have said, your adversary is like a shark below the surface. He's just swimming around like a sea monster seeking for the moment to swallow you up while you're drowning. 
And that's what we're, guys, we're, 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 this culture is trying, there's a whole system set up to try and drown you for the opportune moment for that shark, for that devouring lion to come and, and devour you at the opportune moment. It's a subtle thing. It's a subtle thing that the issues of our hearts, the, the hungers of our hearts and, the, and what's happening culturally, they're subtle things that if we're not, Peter even says, be sober and watchful, right? If we're not alert to these things, if we're, not, if, we're, if we're consumed by them, if we're binging, if we're drunk on these things, we're not alert to those deep things that are going on deep down below us in the bottom of our heart, right? And so I love this. Peter, the one who fell asleep while Jesus was being tempted in the garden, the sleeper, right? The one who was so overwhelmed with anxiety and sorrow that he was so, he was so pressed down with the moment that he was living in, the age that he was living in, that he fell asleep at the most opportune hour in all of history. He was being pressured to fall asleep. The sleeper that Jesus said, can't you watch with me? Can't you stay alert? Can't you stay awake? Now here's Peter, the man of prayer, the man of power saying to us, hey guys, stay sober and stay watchful because there's this subtle thing that's happening in the days that you're living in below the surface in your own anxiety there's this subtle thing that's happening and if you're not watchful and alert you're gonna you're gonna slowly like a like a shark pulling its prey down you're gonna slowly get pulled down and drowned into this sea of overwhelmness into this sea of temptation i'm gonna just pause here for a second and just take the silence as like we're all here right like this is all good stuff we're engaged okay sometimes i'm just you know what i mean I love being with you guys. This is so good. And, and the good news is coming. I'm telling you, it's, it's coming. And so it's this it's unseen battle, right? This unseen and this call to be sober and watchful. And another way that we could say it is don't be drunk. Don't be sleeping. And, I, and I'm talking to believers here tonight. So I'm, I'm imagining that we're not dealing with substance abuse and stuff like that. Maybe we are in this room. I'm, it doesn't matter. We're, God, God's here for freedom tonight. We're going to get to the freedom part in a minute. But I, what, I, what I'm being pulled into, what Gabby and I are being pulled into, are those subtle, intoxicating distractions, the subtleness of busy life and, 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 and the pull away from intimacy, the pull away from being connected with God, and, and then how that starts to shake those insecurity things that maybe we were born with or we inherited through trauma or whatever happened to us in our life, that these things start to play together. And what I'm here to do tonight is to wake us up to this reality because Jesus has this amazing, beautiful, most precious uh, answer to this whole situation for me that, 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 that he's shown us. And I think it's just going to be absolutely amazing when, when the Holy Spirit comes and puts this all together for us. But maybe we're not drunk on fill in the blank. But what I think of, when I think of the word drunk, I think of under the influence, right? And so Romans 12 says, don't, don't be conformed by the patterns of this world. In other words, don't be under the influence by what's, what the culture's doing, the rhythms of the cultures, the pull of the culture, the pressure of the culture. Don't be under the influence of that thing. Jesus says it like this. He says, be in the world, but don't be of the world, right? So we have to, like, we have to be in tune with this thing. And I'm telling you guys, it's a subtle thing, especially when everything starts shaking around us. And all we need to do is run to our mechanisms to try and create some sense of security or comfort or, or um, consistency in our lives, when we start to turn to those things to comfort us, that's that coming under the influence. Unless that's God, we're coming under the influence of another comforter. 
right? And, 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 I, and I love this. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. Jesus calls us into a life not of comfort. He calls us into a, a, a crazy, uncomfortable life. He wants to send us into the craziest situations, but he sends us there with the comforter. And so we got to get off the comforter and go to hard places with the Holy Spirit comforter. Do you know what I'm saying? And this pressure on us as Americans in the, in the comfortable world that we're living on, I, I, guys, I'm here, and, and I, I love our zeal for the news and for politics and all that stuff, but I'm telling you guys, the greatest enemy of our soul is not some other political group that you think is going to come after you. The greatest enemy of our soul is our hearts going after other lovers. Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. They'll no longer love God. They'll love pleasure more than they love God. Paul doesn't tell Timothy anything about this party or that party or this nation or that ideology or wokeism or anything. And listen to me. Don't get me wrong. I know we're kind of getting to know each other a little bit. I'm with you on all of that stuff. But I'm telling you what I believe the Holy Spirit's saying to believers in this day is don't get pulled into other lovers. Don't check out on the, 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 don't become under the influence of the culture and of the system that's around you. It's for the sake of our children, for the sake of legacy, for the sake of revival in America, we got to stay close to this thing. Are you guys with me? And so, so Peter, the, the sleepy disciple, is telling us to stay watchful and this slow, subtle dulling of our, our senses, and we're lost in this overgrown garden. And I want to speak to people tonight who maybe are in this room and you're, you're dealing with some sort of uh, stress disorder, or maybe even health things that are linked to stress. Maybe it doesn't manifest like mine, like panic attacks. Maybe it doesn't manifest like anxiety. Maybe it's health things that are li- linked to other stressors or, or anxieties or depression or whatever. Maybe you're here and you're thinking of, Loved ones that are dealing with anxiety or depression. I want to I tell you guys, tonight there's freedom for this. Tonight there's an answer. Tonight Jesus is going to show us what he does, how he comes into this place. And it, you guys, I told a little bit of my story, is this, this, this journey in my life. Now, as I, I be, became a believer and I'm, I'm going after God, I'm, I'm watching him free me from anxieties. He's putting me into hard places. He's putting me into, giving me opportunities where my anxiety is being poked again and provoked again. And I'm like, well, what, wait a second, Jesus. I thought you freed me from this. And, you know, and I'm diving into this. I'm diving into this garden in my heart, right? I'm diving into this messy place that's filled with memories of panic attacks that has the, the physiological things that I physically have no control over, right? That's a whole thing we could go down is like what, what happens when there's things that happen to your body that you don't have control over that are, that are sending off chemical things that are creating anxiety that you're wishing never happened. And you're like, wait a second, you know, like this isn't, this is, I'm, I'm praying the prayers. I, I was diving deep into my heart. I was making the scripture declarations. I'm saying that God didn't give me a spirit of anxiety, he gave me power, love, and a sound mind. I'm diving into the garden, right? Trying to clean this thing up. I started, you know, trying to plan better and, and be more efficient so that situations wouldn't be so jarring and, and, and create anxiety for me. I, I, I dove into the garden of personal growth. I started cleaning things out and attention to my diet and physical fitness and, and emotional health and all of these things. And these are all good things that we need to, as leaders and as, as followers of Jesus, these are things that God calls us to, right? But even, even those things, like they were good for me, but it didn't always bring me the deepest relief 
from the pressures and the confusion and the, and the depression that, was, that I was feeling deep down inside of me. And so I'm getting to this place in my life, in my heart, where I'm diving deep into this, this, this garden. I'm, it's, I'm cleaning it up, and, and I'm still not getting the relief. And, I, and I'm trying to relate to Jesus, and, I, and I'm trying to say, you know, all the right things, right? And when, I don't know about you, but when I look at Jesus, I look at him as like not an anxious person. I look at Jesus as like the guy who preached in front of 5,000. I look at Jesus as the one who stood up to the Pharisees in hard, you know, conflicts. I hate conflict. You know, Jesus is like standing up to Pharisees in conflict. I look at Jesus as like, man, you know, talk about, you know, bullying. It's like he got pushed up to the the cliff and they were going to throw stones at him and he just walks through the crowd like what? Come on. You know, and I don't see Jesus as this anxious dude, right? I don't see him as this anxious guy. I see Jesus as this, like, strong, confident person. I see, and, and, and when you're an anxious person, when you see somebody that's confident, you're like, man, I wish I could have the confidence that they have. You know what I'm saying? I wish I could have the, 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 the self-esteem that that person could have. Just, okay, just me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm preaching to myself tonight, okay? Thanks for listening. I'm getting breakthrough, all right? I'm getting breakthrough tonight. And so I, I, I'm like, God, like, I'm looking for answers. I'm, I'm doing the verses, right? I'm, I'm, uh, you guys get the picture. I'm diving deep into this, this garden of, of and fear and shame and anxiety and all, and, and, and these, these places of hiding. It kind of sounds a little bit like Genesis 3 or Genesis 3.18. Like, this is what I, it's like, Adam, he says, I heard your voice, and I was afraid. I had anxiety, and I was, I was naked and ashamed. I thought something's wrong with me because I'm afraid. I'm having this anxiety, and so I covered myself up. I, 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 I had obsessive compulsive behaviors. I was doing things to try and cover up my shame and my anxiety, and so I'm, I'm having this like, God, I need breakthrough. I, I, need to, I need to be free of this thing. It's, it's affecting my life. It's affecting my future. It's affecting, and, and I'm trying to relate to Jesus because how many of you know when, when Scripture says that Jesus can relate to us, that he was tempted in all ways, like that's comforting. But when it came to anxiety, I never saw that. I never saw, like, where's the anxious Jesus? Where's the, the, the you know, the depressed, like, like, freaking out Jesus, right? And then one day when I was, Diving into the garden of my anxiety when I was diving in and trying to, to do my faith walk and walk through this thing. When I was diving in there, I saw Jesus dive into my garden of anxiety. I saw him go deeper than I was even going in my own garden. I saw him go deep into his own garden. And I saw this in Luke 22. What happens is Jesus is at the hour of of him going to the cross, he's in, he's in the garden, and he's, he, it says he came out of the Mount of Olives, and he was in the garden, and his disciples followed him, and when they came to that place, they said to him, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation, and he was withdrawn from them, just a stone's throw away, and he knelt down, and he prayed, he said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, and then an angel appeared to Jesus, from heaven, and it strengthened him. And even with the angels strengthening, it says that Jesus, it says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And then he sweat and became 
like great, and then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down from the ground. And when he rose up from prayer, he came to his disciples, and there he finds Peter, who's sleeping, who we just said later is now teaching us not to sleep, to be alert, right? And so this word agony, I always thought it, it, it was just like a physical pain. I always thought this agony was just like this physical pain. But when, when we look up agony, it's like this emotional, mental strain that Jesus was under. That Jesus was under such emotional, mental strain that the scripture says that he was in agony. Even after an angel ministered to him, he still wasn't relieved of this anxiety. And you can say, well, Mark, that's not anxiety. And I can say, well, you know what? You can't prove that it's not. If I, but I think I might be able to prove that it is. So Luke, the only doctor to record the Gospels, records that Jesus sweat blood. Now, I don't know why Luke wrote that. I don't know how technological they were then, but I know with my Google PhD is that when I look up sweating blood, we actually know that that's a condition medically now when people are under tremendous emotional and mental stress that they sweat blood. What happens, you guys know when you get, when you get anxious, your armpits start getting sweaty, your face, you, know, you start getting sweaty. When you get anxious, that's one of the things that your body starts to convulse and secrete sweat. Same thing happens when our mouth gets dry and we foam at the mouth, like things start to move. And what was happening, we know medically, is that when you sweat, like an extremely stressful situation when it happens so fast, the capillaries like inside of your sweat glands burst because the sweat is moving so fast through your body and they begin to bleed. That's like, that's like medical technology showing us that sweating blood comes from, comes from mental stress and torment that happens so powerfully that our, our body, our physiological body reacts with sweating blood. And so Jesus' ang- agony was Jesus' mental, to- it, was, it was mentally straining him what he was about to do. And we see three times he asked God, I don't want to do what you're asking me to do. And we know, like if you ever dealt with a teenager with anxiety, you know like that, that's, that's them, right? I will not do what you want me to do. That was me. It was like go to school. School was a social, humiliating situation in my imaginary mind that created panic attacks. So when I don't want to do something that I feel like is going to end up with a, that, then not my will. I'm, that's not my will. I'm not doing that. And you dig in. And here we see Jesus digging in. He's saying, listen, this is going to be absolutely humiliating. This is going to be the panic attack of all panic attacks. I'm going to be naked and humiliated in front of everybody. I did nothing wrong. I don't deserve this. All. And here's Jesus saying, not my will, not my will. And an angel ministers to him, and he's still dealing with the, the, the mental anguish and anxiety of this moment in his life. And what I learned in my life is with my anxiety, when I go into the garden of my heart, and I go into that, that, that Genesis thing where I'm like, I'm afraid, and I'm ashamed, and I'm doing, you know, I'm in these compulsive cycles where I'm trying to hide it, or not, not hide the sin, but you know what I mean? Like, maybe it's for you, it's like you washing your hands before you have to go do something, or, you know, you, 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 you do patterns, or whatever it is. Like, we try to, to reset, or whatever, and we try to hide ourselves, and, and get the energy to go back and face the thing, but we just keep avoiding it. That Jesus, in the midst of that mental anguish, when I, was, when I was dealing with that, I saw that Jesus dove down into the garden of the chaos of my heart, and he sweat blood. That he experienced something to, 
that I thought that Jesus couldn't relate to my anxiety. And when I started to see this revelation, that Jesus had such a greater revelation of anxiety than I even had. That Jesus as a human experienced anxiety, experienced this, this pressure that we could call depression, whatever it is, this, this depressing pressure over his mind, this dread and this sorrow over his mind, that it was so great, greater than I have ever experienced it, that he sweat blood. And here's the beautiful thing, because I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. Wherever the blood is, whatever the blood touches, the blood has the power, the atomic power to change things. It's the most powerful reality in the universe, the blood of Jesus. And what that means to us in 2022, listen to me, that a doctor in the ancient world recorded that our Messiah sweat blood and that he experienced anxiety to a degree that we never experienced. And his blood touched that place, that his blood touches the deepest places of my fears and my anxieties and my depression. And it's only the blood. It's not, it's not my self-help. It's not my, my even slapping scriptures on it. It's not any of that. It's the blood of Jesus touching that place at the deepest place of my heart that then brings the peace and brings the confidence and brings, maybe it doesn't even go away, but the nearness of God and the affirmation of God in that place makes it all okay. That I can then say, God, not my will, but your will be done. That I can then say, God, you know what, if you're going you're gonna to lead me to this another level of fear that I have, that I'm going to go there because if your presence is here, if your blood is here, if you're in this garden with me, then I'm going to step out and go to the next level that you're calling me to go to. And, and, and this is the antidote to the anxiety that keeps us captured and hidden in our escape mechanisms. Because we will never get free of our escape mechanisms until we face the fear that is pushing us to that place. And it's the presence of God that pushes us to that place. It's the promise. It's when Jesus says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end. It's the promise of Jesus' presence being with us in that place. And that's the answer of all answers. That whatever's making me anxious, I can go to that place because, Jesus, I know you're there with me in that place. That I can put myself in that situation. That I can say, okay, this isn't my will. I don't want to stand up in front of people and talk. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I'm afraid of this or I'm afraid of that. But, Jesus, if you're with me when I start doing that, if you're in this place, if, you, if you're in the garden of the place that I'm the most afraid of, that I don't want to step out of, then I'll go do it for you, Jesus, because I want to be with you. I just want to be with you. And I don't know, maybe it's this devil that's prowling around, that's seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. But somewhere for me, and maybe somewhere for you, or maybe somewhere for your loved one, is that we get deceived at thinking, no, Jesus was this strong man who can't sympathize with that area of our life. And I'm telling you, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the strong man. He is the one who pulls down strongholds. He is the one who walks into the temple and looks at a man that's dealing with demonic pressure in his life. And he doesn't speak to the man. He speaks to the demon. He says, you let this guy go and he's going to live for me. He's going to be free. He's, he is that man that can break the the yoke and can break bondage, but he's also the one who's so sympathetic, who's so connected with our weakness, who's experienced everything that we've experienced us at the deepest levels. And not only that, he left his mark in those areas. He left his blood for us in those areas that we can go to those places and the blood of Jesus can break us out of our fear. He can break us out of those places. And this is this, is, this verse in, in Hebrews 12, uh, the message version, 
it goes like this. I didn't give all these scriptures to everybody because I knew I was just going to fire hose you guys tonight. But the Hebrews 12 goes like this. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, you find yourselves getting tossed to and fro by the pressures of this world, by the overwhelmness, by the inner turmoil and the anxiety of the depression. When you find yourself, go over this story. He's talking about the, 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 the walk of Jesus from, from Pilate to the cross. He's talking about the litany. It says item by item, that long litany of the hostility that he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. I'm telling you guys, the anecdote to the days that we're living in, it's not going to get better. We're going to get more overwhelmed. There's going to be more shaking. There's going to be more unsettledness. I'm telling you, the overcoming anecdote, Revelations 12, is they overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and not loving their lives under death. I'm telling you, the overcoming anecdote is to, is to, is to the litany of Jesus' sufferings over and over and over again. It's the only thing that is going to motivate us to go out into a world where we may even have to lay down our lives. It's the only thing that's going to get us off the comforter into an uncomfortable world with the comforter. You guys know what I mean? The, the pillow comforter. With the comforter, the holy comforter, the holy one that's going to bring us into the darkest places. It's the only one that's, that, it's the only reality that's moving us to Thailand. I'm telling you, I want to I live a block away from Jenks so I can get barreled every single day. That's a surf spot in Point Pleasant Beach. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, it's the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's going to move us out of the comfortable and into the places that God has called us to, to be. And I just want to pray with you for the last minute that we have here tonight. If you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with thought patterns, you can't break through the cycles, you can't, you've tried, you've dug deep into the places of your heart, you've tried to clean things out, you, you, you've tried to do it in your own energy, in your own power, you've tried to slap scripture labels on it, I'm telling you there's an anointing here tonight for Jesus, his blood, the, the blood that he sweat, those drops of blood to drip on your heart, to drip on the heart and the fear and all the anxiety that you have right now. And listen, here's my experience, and my experience is in Bible, but I'm just going to prepare you. I thought it was going to be a forever freedom, but God's just going to keep pushing us into places that, are, that are, we're afraid of. And I, what I love about it is it is a forever freedom every time you go to that place. It is a forever freedom every time we go to that place. The blood's available to us every time we're afraid. The blood's available to us every time we're anxious, every time we're depressed. Every time the blood's available to us. Father, tonight I pray in Jesus' name that your blood would come touch our souls. That the reality of the Messiah who sweat blood under such extreme circumstances, under the pressure of the world, under the weight of the world, would come and touch the places of our hearts. God, I'm praying right now for those that uh, suffer with OCD, that suffer with uh, panic attacks that suffer with depression and hopelessness, that suffer with exhaustion and fatigue, that suffer with uh, even physical ailments that are linked to heart realities. God, I pray right now that the blood of Jesus would come and heal, that the blood of Jesus would come and free and break through. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Beyond my words, God, beyond a teaching, Holy Spirit, come and minister to our hearts. Come and let this word become reality to our hearts. Jesus, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that you said not my will, 
but your will, Father, be done, that you did that. You, you submitted yourself to the Father so we could have freedom and we could submit ourselves to the Father. Holy Spirit, I pray that this reality would open up the things that we were called to. I just feel for those in, people in this room that are called to, to certain things, you're called to something, or God's pushing you to something scary, I pray that this reality will open you up to that place and that you will experience the, the fellowship and the pleasure of Jesus in that place. That you will be you will experience the pleasure of being who you're created to be. For, for people that have withdrawn from what they're called to do, even things you've loved to do, I pray that tonight's a night where God's going to restore through his blood, through this reality, he's going to restore you to that place and his pleasure and his fellowship in that place will motivate you and fuel you to, li- fuel you to live from that place. God, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, I just, you can, if you want to just agree with me now in prayer, I just feel led as we close. I just want to contend for a minute, just back to the beginning of the night with prodigals. God, right now we're asking in Jesus' name, Lord, we're asking for loved ones. We're asking for ones that have sat in these pews. We're asking for ones who are saying, not your will, God, my will. Not your will, God, my will. God, we're praying for a great turning of the will of a generation, God. That the blood of Jesus and the slain lamb would turn a generation. That they would submit their wills to your will. That they would know the pleasure of their father. God, I thank you, Lord, for our loved ones that are, that are still coming back, our loved ones that are, that are living and haven't submitted their lives to you, God. We're praying right now for a great move of the hearts of our loved ones, God. We're praying right now that they would come to their senses as they're starving, as their hearts, their hungry hearts are starving for what only you can provide, God. We're praying right now for a great coming of their senses, a coming to their senses, God, and would you create a church that's ready to receive them? God, would you create in us a, a, a maturity and a, and a, and a, a fatherness and a, and a motherness, a spiritual maturity so that we could be mothers and fathers to a generation that's coming back in radical love and radical pleasure of, fa- of the Father? God, we're asking you to just do a great work right now in Jesus' name.